This is the Pool Together Community Podcast. Pool Together is the world's number one, no loss, prize savings account. And you can visit pooltogether.com to deposit. You're listening to the Pool Together Community Podcast. I'm your host, Hot Mike, and I'm here with Gabe from Arcade. Gabe, thanks for joining me and having me in this wonderful townhouse in Soho. Thanks for, thanks for being here for the Pool Together Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me here, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Hot Mike, my name's Tim. Um, but they call me Hot Mike because I thought, I, no, 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 I told you, know, I just said my name was Hot Mike. Uh, but uh, we, my mic was hot, and I was like, that's a great nickname. And so now I'm Hot Mike. Okay. But so then it's confusing when I say, hey, I'm Tim. Like Tim or Hot Mike? You can call me Tim. Let's be Tim. Tim. Yeah, yeah, Tim. But we're at House of Muse, which is this, like, townhouse thing that they took over, and it's supposed to be like this. Do you know anything about this place? Not Nothing at all. Oh, okay. It's supposed to be like a club, you know, like they're going to do like a Soho house or something like that, yeah. but for crypto specifically. So this is a pop-up. There's a pool. We should, we should totally, next time, we got to do a pool together podcast in a pool. I'm worried about electrocution. That's fine. But, um, but yeah, they've got vegan food here and, and uh, we're, they gave us a room that's very echoey to do a podcast in. So listen, Gabe, I would love to know. I love to hear how people got into crypto because it helps me as I'm exploring crypto. And I think it helps a lot of listeners to the Pool Together podcast who are normies, who are crypto curious, who want to save money and be safe and then explore. So how did you get into get into this thing, this crypto thing? Yeah, so it was 2016. I was at the time I was working um, a family business with my dad. A chain of pawn shops in Texas. Um, so I was working in the shops. So I was making loans against non-fungible physical assets like diamonds and Rolexes and purses and basically anything that didn't mint. Um, and at the time, also, I was a big poker player, so I was playing a lot of poker. Sorry, you said anything that didn't eat. That's correct. What does that mean? So basically, anything that has like uh, cost money to feed them, we wouldn't take that as collateral for. Oh, wait, cost money to feed them. Oh, like pets. Yeah, like oh. it, like we wouldn't take chickens as a loan, as loan collateral, right? So, but anything else, like uh, the saying in a pawn shop is like, if somebody bought it once, somebody will buy it again. Um, so that was kind of how we just thought about, you know, loaning against assets in the real life. Um, so I was doing that in 2016. I was also playing a lot of poker. Um, and on crypto poker, like the community within crypto poker, they were talking a lot about Bitcoin at the time, 2016. And so that's how I got interested in Bitcoin, started with Bitcoin. Um, and then my dad sold the family business, the pawn shops, which I thought I was going to do forever. And that's when I started looking for jobs and really going down the rabbit hole of crypto. Like I knew I wanted to work in space. It had everything that I was really interested in, like economics, finance, math, computers, uh, game theory, which is all very interesting to me. So. I knew I wanted to be in the space and I spent like six months applying to different startups in the space. Um, and I, I got lucky. I got a job at a company called BitGo, the custodian uh, for institutions. And so there I was an entry-level sales guy um, selling custody and wallet solutions to like hedge funds, um, exchanges like Bitstamp, uh, venture funds, market makers, OTC desks. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I got my entry into the space. So I... When you said pawn shops, I totally am thinking about Atlanta and um, the main character and his best friend. Like they, they need money, and so like I think he lost his iPhone or something, and so they like 
do a series of things to, to, to like trade up almost. I remember in youth group, I used to play this game where you get a plastic fork and you had to trade up to like, to like a couch or either bigger or better. And like somebody brought a used car back and stuff. And so uh, I, I, when I hear pawn shops and even when I think about crypto, it doesn't for me compute. There's like this business acumen. There's like this hustle that I do not have that I want to have. I really admire that when I watch like, you know, when I like a pawn shop, right? So um, can you just do, how, how do you, I'm really intrigued. I've never interviewed somebody who had a pawn shop. Like, how did you make that work? Like, how do you have a profitable pawn shop? Yeah, so I was a third generation pawnbroker. So my grandpa started the first shop in El Paso in 1947. Um, so it was a generational business. Uh, that had to hurt to lose it. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. My dad was not happy having the needing to sell the company. Yeah. Um, but basically, my grandpa started. His name was Benny. He named the pawn shops, Benny's Pawn Shop. Um, over the years, my dad took it over in like 1980, expanded it to eight more storefronts. Um, and it kind of became like an El Paso staple, like Benny's Pawn Shop yeah. is well known in the city. Uh, so it was just, it, it was a, you know, it was a longstanding business. It had a good name and um, a good business too. Yeah. And, and just like any tips, like you said something about like, if somebody buys it, somebody's going to buy it again. Right. Like, like how do you, you know, buy low, buy low, sell high, like, did you have a specialty that you liked or you like, like, did you do trading cards? I don't know. Like all this stuff just blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, used to take everything over the years, so yeah. like trading like sports cards, um, taxidermy, a lot of diamonds, a lot of jewelry, like wedding bands, um, electronics, like TVs, even down to like a $5 tool. Like, um, so those like pawn shops are basically like community banks. Like you don't need a bank account to get a loan at a pawn shop. Um, so yeah, that, that, that whole thing was like the starting point for the idea of arcades. When I got into NFTs, I knew that there was going to be a market similar to how pawn lending works. And so that's how we designed the protocol. So did you have like regular customers at the pawn shop and, that were like ball that was just like doing the whole, like here getting collateral going out and you know, like that's, you know, hustlers. What were they doing? Or you didn't ask questions. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a mix. I mean, I, I think generally people see pawn shops as like a, like a lower income thing, which is not always true. Um, like we had pawn shops in good parts of town in El Paso, where I'm from. And we would have like middle income people just getting loans when they needed quick cash for like a week or two weeks or three yeah. weeks. Um, and also it's used as sort of a last resort. Like if I need to pay a bill and I don't have any cash, I can't get a loan. Like, oh, there's something laying in my house that I can turn into cash, like, like get into a pawn shop, right? Yeah. Um, so it was like things like that. Yeah. And then poker. So you're also playing poker. So you got pawn shops and you got poker. Texas poker is like notorious. I watch a lot of like live streaming and stuff. Do you still play? I don't play anymore. I don't have like the, the desire to play as much anymore because I'm, I'm playing the same type of games with like the, the company. The totally. Company, you know? So it's stakes are higher. So yeah. I, don't, I don't find like free time to, want to like spend spend mental space playing you know five hours of poker yeah um but yeah i used to love it i used to go to vegas you know i, I my dad's a poker player so i grew up like around it um when i was 21 i went to i went to vegas and i won like fifteen thousand playing blackjack um for the first time and i thought it was really easy and so two weeks later they invited me back like pay for my flight pay for my room food and everything and within 30 minutes i lost everything 
that's how that's how bad it was. So I booked the first flight out of there. And I learned a good lesson. It's like it, it's not it's not it's not easy like that. You have to respect Vegas. Um, well, that's why they flew you back. They yeah, wanted their money. That's that's how it works. Definitely. Oh wow, that's uh, and and so even with poker, there's this like um, you know in person. There's always ways to game the system. There's always like house games. Like I I would be wary of house games. I'm wary of online poker because you're playing against computers a lot of times you know there's always this this uh everybody finding that competitive edge whether ethical or not um and so uh i i would love to i don't know so i feel like crypto is analogous because you know even when i'm trading or or trying to trade or trying to do anything i'm always in the back of my mind thinking there's somebody with a better edge there's somebody with an angle there's somebody with better ai on the other side of it um and so I don't know if you, you how, how you take that or experience that. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I think the knowledge gap, information gap in crypto is, is wider than a lot of other industries. And so you have people that like are in the know very well. Um, and that's why, like, I was, you know, really confident starting my own thing. So I've been in the space for a while talking to different companies and verticals across the entire space and, like, learning how their businesses worked and also seeing a couple different operations working at different startups to see how CEOs like ran their companies and how the differences there. So I learned a lot um, about the industry working at these startups. So yeah, tell me how, how Arcade started. How did you like get it off the ground? What was the you know impetus and, and how's it going now? Yeah, so it was summer of 2020, like DeFi summer. Yeah. Um, so when I started getting into NFTs and I started collecting some artworks from Super Rare. Uh, and a few of them sold for like 10x the price that I bought them at like a, like weeks later. And I was like, oh my God, this is a real market. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Like I'd never been an art collector before, but owning something that was scarce online like really resonated with me. So I thought it would become a thing where there would be a new basically capital market forming for you know loans against this asset class. Um, so with like my pawn background and lending and um, also my crypto background at BitGo, we also did lending there on the institutional side. I worked at a company called Curve, who was acquired by PayPal, worked with the same types of clients. Um, so I knew the entire space. I, you know, I knew who to reach out to on the VC side to raise capital. Um, my co-founder and I decided April, I think 2021, that we were going to you know, go full-time at this, quit our jobs. Um, so we decided to raise a seed round, and that's when we um, you know, started building a team and then product development. And so you launch, when did you launch? We launched, um, officially, we launched in January, at the end of January of 2020. And, the, and you launched with like NFT collateralization. That's right. like, yeah. Yeah, so it's a, it's a peer-to-peer marketplace um, for NFT back loans. And how was adoption, like how is building the user base, right? Because you've got, you need people to loan and you need people to borrow. Yeah, exactly. So it's a two-sided marketplace. Um, We have a pretty big lender network. So some of the biggest lenders on our platform are like institutional lenders within crypto. We also work with a lot of high net worth individuals that are lenders that are bullish on these NFTs anyways. And so our defaults, they don't mind picking up the asset at a discount. We work with DAOs, we work with funds. So a a lot of lender demand because they can potentially pick up discounted assets. And earn fixed 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 rate yield within DeFi, which is which is um, 
you know, not so common. Uh, so it's those two things. Um, and then on the borrow side, it's kind of the same types of users. And we're seeing different use cases, even in this bear market, like people are hedging their downside um, uh, by getting loans. So if you get a loan on massive, say you have a pump, you get a 100 ETH loan, and the value of that pump when you got the loan is 150 ETH. Well, if, that, if the value of the pump drops to 80 ETH and you have a 100 ETH loan, you don't have to pay back that loan. You basically sold a put option. You, you bought a put option on that asset. So there's different use cases and, and like real product market fit without a token subsidizing everything. So we don't have a token. So when you when you went out for business for BizDev and just like user acquisition, it was a, it sounds like it's a lot of like like face to face or like like one on one you know high net worth individuals institutions you're going out and getting that money um, rather than like you know going out to the masses or anything like that right so at least on the lending side on the borrow side then you have I mean. What you had that money, like, hey, look, if you have a bunk, like London here, and that 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 drew it, or did you also have to go out and handhold? It was also a BD effort. Yeah. So we operate an agency OTC desk where we just match counterparties. So if we have a borrower come to us, they give us their token IDs, we look at their open C, we get valuations on the assets, and then we try and match them with the lender who has the appetite to rent the lend against that collateral. Um so there is a lot of handholding happening. We've done about 27 million in loans since we started. Nice. Um, but that's our way of bootstrapping the marketplace, you know, as, as things take off a little bit more organically. So, so it's going to be like blue chip stuff. It's going to be like high, higher level, level stuff. I'm not so much blue chippy, but I'm the guy with the wrench in the pawn shop, right? I'm the guy like giving the five bucks and we'll like do this. So how does that work? Is that, is that, um, it's still available, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like our lowest loan has been like half an ETH. Yeah. People get half ETH loans, one ETH, two ETH, three ETH. Like we support collections that are lower value also. Um, just most of the assets on our, that we support, lenders have appetite to lend against it. So a lot of these lower value collections, it's not really worth it for lenders to get into. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of how it is now. And I think as we integrate other chains and L2s, we'll start to see more lower value assets. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, uh, you know, all the value is probably, not all the value, but most of the value in NFTs today sit on ETH. And what's that like default rate? You know, like, like is that something you track or it's just part of the financial system where it's like, hey, this is a put? And one person won, one person didn't win. Yeah, I mean, our, our defaults are surprisingly low. They're under like 6%. Um, even when like um, they should have defaulted, right? Yeah, so there's like you find yeah. people who are like, no, I want that this sentimental value or exactly. it's just like honor code, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's, there's another element here of like sentimental value, like, like online identity. Yeah. Um, so there's guys that will be there's guys that don't need to come back with their asset. They can buy cheaper on the open market, but they have, uh, you know, they're tied to that, to that PMP or RVs. Third. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, one of the things that I was thinking with pull together, pull together a uh, price savings account and uh, really wholesome community. We use a lot of NFTs as, as um, rewards for activity or you know, just memory stuff, community call things, you know, co-ops, but there's also the pool, the NFT, which was, um, which basically was a fundraise to help uh, pull together fight legal battles, uh, pay their lawyer fees against a, a lawsuit, and uh, raise a whole ton of ETH on that. And so everybody, at, there were three different levels. There was like a 0.1 ETH 
pulley, there's a one ETH pulley, and there's a 75 ETH pulley. And people bought these. And, and I was thinking on my way here, I was like, oh, that would be really cool to lend to somebody with a pulley, whatever they wanted, like within reason, just knowing that it's wholesome. Like there's this whole, like, like that honor code kind of thing. Like, hey, I'm going to lend you for this pulley knowing that you're not going to default because it's really not about the pulley. It's about the cred. Yeah. I don't know if that's a thing. Is yeah, it's an interesting. Like community, right? It's an interesting point. I think that does happen. Like there's times where um, the collateral is, is they're not, it is a little bit credit based. Mm-hmm. Like they have this collateral that they can put up. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not worth the entire loan, but the lender is like comfortable lending to this part. That happens with like communities lending to their to their own users. Yeah, like yeah. Um, but then I, as soon as I said it, and as soon as you're explaining it, I'm like, oh well. If I want to be nefarious, I'll just go pick one up on secondary. Yeah, I have the belief, you know. And then I'm gonna, and then I'll just just run somebody. Um, now I'm also in an NFT group buy. So we have a Prism is a front end for Gnosis Safe, and it allows easily buy a bunch of um, as a group just put our ETH into a pot and buy. NFTs. Uh, so we have a bunch of NFTs that are worth way less than what we bought before. And we and, and one of the we have this one member, Richard, who just wants to collateralize everything, never wants to sell, never ever wants to sell, and just wants to take everything that we have. And, and I'm like, well, can we bundle it? So what about bundling? Is that a thing? Is that like a you know, like you get some blue chips in there, you get some other things. Is that something that lenders would be interested in? Yeah, we we love bundling. Um of assets, so you can create a vault on Arcade that's that, that you own, and then you can deposit however many NFTs across however many collections into it, and get a single loan on that portfolio. Uh, so we have had users do like portfolio loans with like fifty different assets in the loan. And is there something like fractionalization loans? Like I can I can lend you a piece of that. Is that even a thing? No, we don't do any sort of fractionalization. Okay. Uh, yeah. You, I guess you could take like a uh, like nouns or fractionalized names. You could take. That you know, or like the Azuki bean farmer, you could take one of that. That would be, but that's fractionalization that doesn't happen with Arcade. Yeah, we, we find like borrowers on our platform that are that are like real collectors. They they don't want to like fractionalize their pieces. They like having a yeah. whole, and they like keeping it like so. So uh, we don't see much use case for fractionalization on Arcade right now. No. Okay, okay. Play favorites now. What NFTs are you digging? What do you? Uh, I'm a punk guy. Oh. I think punks are. You know, in ten years, gonna have you know five million for. Um, so I think those are the grails of the internet. Punks, punks, punks. Yeah. punk maxi. I mean, I'm simple. I don't. I'm not hopping in discourse all day anymore. I don't really right. have enough time, like, to like follow all these new collections. But we have guys on our team that are deep in the weeds. So yeah, I keep it simple. Punks. I did have a couple of golden apes um, that that we sold over the year, over, you know, over the last year. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm just a punk guy. Okay. So, so even even as the project might move or like be acquired or things like that, you know. <laughs> Sorry, is that a question? So, yeah, that's so. To my understanding, and I could totally edit this out to make me look smarter, is that like Yuga, right? Uh-huh. Acquired punks. Yeah, yeah, and that okay with that? You're you're fine. Yep. Right. But but they could also someone else could acquire it, right? Yeah. Well, I think what Yuga did was they they actually bought the punks from the Larva guys. And then, right. I think they get everyone all their IP rights, which is sure, right? Which is different than I think how they treated the board eight ones. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I think I could be mistaken, but I think the members of the 
you get like happy with, with right. how things are going. But and it could change. It could change. Yeah, it, it could change. I think it's less likely that it will change. They have this guy, Noah, uh-huh. uh, who used to be, uh, used to work at Christie's. Yeah. The NFT auctions there. Now he's like the representative for punks. Yeah. Right. Okay, cool. So punks only, I, I like that. Or, or, you know, other things are fine, but you're, you're punks. Um, what are you excited about this year? If there's anything to be excited about. Yeah, I think we're starting to see, you know, game, gaming has been hyped up quite a bit. We haven't really seen games take off where NFTs are super valuable. Once that does happen, that's going to be a massive market. Um, we've also done a loan of like a real life Rolex. Uh, so through four, this, this company called 4K.com, 4K Protocol, they basically turn real world assets into NFTs. So they minted an NFT and that represents the ownership that asset. So we made a loan against a Rolex. Um, it's still collateralized on the app. Um, and then that, and then I think, yeah, I think macro, you know, tailwinds look really bad right now. So I'm a little bit bearish, like macro. Um, so I think the next year for protocols that just survive and around for the next life cycle and are actually building sustainable projects are going to be massive winners. So in the next year, like it's just about survival. So what does survival look like for Arcade? Survival is continuing to build. Um, well, it's so it's two things, I think. It's, one is still defining the category that we're in, which is NFT lending. And then it's being a leader in that category. Because um, we want to own that. We want our K protocol to be the dominant protocol for NFT back loans. However, that today it's monkey pictures, it's harder. But NFTs will capture so much more value on the internet going forward. So however, that looks like we want to be like front center. Why the name Arcade? We were originally called PondFi, uh, Pond.Fi, which tied back to my Pond, really, pond, pond background really well. I love that name. Like, um, we had some investors that didn't weren't too happy about it because of the negative connotation Pond has. But there was another PondFi, a Chinese PondFi that popped up that we're doing a token. And so we just wanted to differentiate. And my co-founder, Rob Masiello, um, we bought Arcade.xyz together, like before we even knew we were going to change the name. So we just decided to change the name. Okay. So, um, and we can wrap up here. I, uh, I I really care about adoption of crypto, and and I don't and and I know that like there's always the temptation to first go create with startups with building right build for everybody and not for one thing and do all the things and then see like what hits, but that's not necessarily the, the most strategic thing. And I think a lot of times, specifically for certain protocols, the uh, mass adoption is not their audience. Like it's actually, you need to go deeper into the crypto, not the crypto curious, but like the DGENs, right? Or the, the really advanced. So, so um, what does that um, primary audience look like for Arcade? Does it evolve? Do you double down? <clears throat> What does that look like? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, I what I think I'm focused on and, and the team is focused on is like servicing the needs of the DeFi power users today. Like we want to be crypto native. Um, we want to get the good assets on the platform today because that's signaling for tomorrow when the market does grow. Um, so our goal is to get on all the high value assets, the high value users, the crypto native users, uh, just because that's where the puck is right now. Like that's, that's where we want to uh, uh, be active in. I think that changes two years to three years out. There's a more kind of mainstream audience. 
um, where wallets are more abstracted, like private keys are more abstracted for mainstream users. Like it all has to get a lot easier. Um, but yeah, it's fully focused on like the DeFi power user right now. So that's who holds high value in NFTs. And then for business development, are you looking at um, partnerships? Are you looking like, so you had the thing with the, was it 4K with the IRL assets? But other, is, is that the name of the game too for Arcade? Is like, can you get integrated into, you know, Coinbase or other things, you know? Yeah, so I mean, the protocol that we build, smart contract, mm -hmm. completely trustless, uh, we want the protocol to be used no matter if it's through our front end or through an SDK that we have. So we built an SDK for others to plug into if they want to have their own front end or UI, or just even, you know, get notified when there's an asset listing on the site. So, um, yeah, we're building a brand around the protocol, which is Arcade, which is the app, but also just want the protocol to get used in general. Are you guys hiring? Are you how how is hiring going for you? And we we actually yeah we actually are looking for a rock star um, marketer growth marketer oh um, nice um, uh, sort of BD growth marketing Twitter that's that's the only spot we're hiring for. Interesting. Everyone I talk to hires devs. That's the that's the the holy grail. Is yeah. devs or design? Rarely do I talk to somebody that's like marketing, but I just think they're like so much in build mode that they're you know marketing comes second or third. You know. Yeah, I mean we're just like like we have such a strong. Yeah, like smart contract team, protocol mm -hmm. team, uh, engineers right now are uh, a little bit, you know, I, I think we have really good exposure on the market, but we just want to get, we want to 10x our marketing and mm -hmm. content and uh, engagement. So that's what we're looking for. And so one more time, who is that primary audience for that uh, marketing? Who are they targeting? Who are they shitposting yeah. to on Twitter? Or they're memeing for <laughs> DeFi power users, for NFT collectors and yeah. others, for communities, for DAOs, for guilds, for whole space, but like know, know how to prioritize it. Yeah. What is, what does customer service look like? Cause you said you're doing this OTC stuff and it's a lot of handholding. Yeah. Um, and I know that Richard, my friend Richard, like loves to talk, like in, uh, ask questions and give you suggestions and stuff. Um, that's also, that's also a marketing play as well. Yeah. Right. That's the customer service. Yeah. So we're, we're in constant contact with users, like in telegram chats and discords. Yeah. Um, we do, we do live demos for people. Like we're very active on the side. Um, always, always asking for feedback too. What's, what's an arcade maven called? Is there a nickname yet for like arcades? No, we need to find one. Though. Yeah. Arcades. Yeah. Okay. Let's pull out one. Yeah. Poolers. We have the ads. It's, you know, kind of low lift, but we have Pooley, which is the bird, which is our mascot. And then Poolers. Um, yeah, people I guess wanted pool boys, but that was like cool. I guess we need one. All right, yeah, we'll come up with that. Great. Well, Gabe, thank you so much for giving me some time on this busy week in New York City. Uh, and uh, I really appreciate it. And I, I need to continue to wrap my head around. Richard's been on me about like, don't sell NFTs, collateralize. So I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm going to I'm gonna uh, try the platform and see what I can do with my with my wrench. Yeah, if you want to keep your wrench, just get a loan on it. That's right. Five bucks. Let's go. Cool. Thanks, man. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Pool Together Community Podcast. You can visit pooltogether.com to deposit. And we'd love to hear what you thought about today's episode. So visit the Pool Together Discord and let us know.